Uh, so now let's talk about the NDAA, which is winding its way right now uh, through the chambers. So, it's you know, this is a must. Chambers, if you will. Slithering is a good way to put it. This is a must-pass bill, and we see this played out every year where they try to add amendments you know, that they can't, you know, get through other ways. It, unless, of course, it helps workers, then we don't add that at all, right? Well, so let me, let me slightly kind of, like, add to something you just said. Because, you know, when, when we say it's a bus pass bill, you know, people know what that means. But in reality, it's because they jam it down our throats that it's a must pass bill. It's it's a it's a bill where it's just another, for instance, where we've just commonly accepted. I mean, Nat, yeah, there's stuff in there that just sort of keeps the government open, but it's this grossly overinflated giveaway to the military, yeah. which it has nothing to do with keeping us safe. Nobody's trying to attack the freaking United States, all right? It has nothing to do with any of that. It has everything to do with padding the pockets of rich contractors and military executives. Smedley Butler wrote the book a long freaking time ago. They've given Biden, we're going to get into it. They gave him billions more than what he even asked for, which by for, the way, 45 they did the same million. Thing. They gave him 45 million more, yeah. 45 million. They did the same thing with Trump. They did the same thing with Obama. I mean, this happens all the time. Because right. because this is who's really running this place, the military industrial complex. It's a total scam. And this is how an empire behaves. They're going to also right. tell you we can't possibly afford the healthcare system the rest of the industrialized world has. We can't possibly afford other things that would make the quality of life for Americans so much better. Educational opportunities, free college, living wages. We can't possibly afford any of that. The closest thing we have a, to a jobs program is our military. But these are must-pass things that have the, these bloated military budgets for endless war where we're setting the Middle East on fire for special interest oil and to pad the pockets of military contractors. It's a total scam. We're an empire. We're going to fall the same way all other empires fell. Yeah. So anyway. the, mili the military spending bill is, to clarify, is $45 million more than Biden asked for, and it is an 8% increase from 2022. So once again, we're seeing an 8% increase. Yeah, every year this goes up. You know, I, I every time this comes around, I think back to Eisenhower in the last speech he gave before he left as president, where he warned about the increase of the military industrial complex and how that would ultimately take control over Congress and our government and dictate things that should probably not happen. Um, so yeah, massive spending bill, but you know, what's become, what's, what's become par for the course along with it is the addition of amendments to get them passed through, um, you know, that normally cannot stand on their own. Right. So I want to go yeah, through a list they're of so shitty. Yeah. They're, because they're you know, so, so or, shitty. or Ron, the opposite is true. Or they could be adding, for example, the $15 minimum wage increase, but they choose not to do that. Or mm -hmm. they don't, you know, go to, mat, go to the mat for it when they do. So it's very frustrating. All right. So the first one I want to bring up is the um, what some are referring to as a protection act for Ginny Thomas. Right. So can you pull up that tweet from Jane Meyer from The New York Times, who might be on strike later for yeah. we'll talk about? <laughs> yeah, we'll talk. we're going to be talking about that strike. It's so we little... might not get an update on this. Um, so lawmakers have just added a provision to the National Defense Authorization Act protecting Supreme Court spouses from having to reveal any outside employer in the name of security. If it passes, Jeannie Thomas's professional entanglements would effectively be state secrets. Um, so then update, uh, update this will most surely pass with carve outs for media and opinion reporting on matters of public concern, but it still adds new layers of secrecy around justices, judges and their spouses and much more. Sponsors say it won't stifle the press. I hope they're right. No, of course it will stifle the press. That's why it's there. Uh, so I want to pull up on this topic. There is uh, a, a group called Fix the Court that has been sort of lobbying against this. Um, and they put out a press release. Hang on. <clears throat> this is back in uh, 2020, November 12th. So this bill has been kind of floating around for a while, right? The Or the idea therein, I should say. Mm -hmm. All right. So the bill would make reporting on judicial malfeasance impossible. 
In attempting to protect judges and justices' privacy, the bill threatens First Amendment-protected speech. Sections 3 and 4 are so broadly drawn that if the bill passes, it would preclude certain reporting on potential bad actors in the judiciary. For example, publishing information that a judge or justice was gifted a vacation property by a person seeking judicial favor would make an organization liable under the bill. The same is true for an organization that reported on a judge receiving a car as a bribe. Troublingly, the bill's text would also penalize reporting about potential judicial favoritism of certain law firms and businesses that employ a judge's relatives. A clear, <laughs> yeah, a clear violation wow. of ethics that the public has a right to know about. Under this bill, reporting the employer of a judge's immediate family member would open a reporter or a watchdog organization to civil liability for alerting the public. I mean, this is obviously a very dangerous infringement on First Amendment rights. Um, And of course, the reason they use is that it's a security precaution, right? Because protesters have showed up at judges' homes. A judge was shot, you know, three, two and a half, three years ago almost. So they're saying there's a, there's a security issue here and they're trying to curtail it this way, but there, there can very well be a security issue. I'm not going to dispute that, but this is not how you handle it at all. This well, is just of give- course not, because this isn't really about security. This it's is about, about It's about ethics, and it's about them wanting to get away with more shady things. They'll be like, oh, this is our this is our spouse's deal or whatever. It has nothing to do. That's why this bill has been floating around like a crusty turd circling a toilet bowl because it's absolutely frickin ridiculous and and it cracks down on journalists and they're going to try to push it through. And, you know, this is this is how they do things. And by the way, they always lean on. Security. How did they shove the Patriot Act down people's throats? Oh, it's for the security of this nation. How they how they do they get away with things like facial recognition and stuff like that? Stuff that does nothing to actually make people safer. They do it in the name of frickin' security. And look, security is a thing. I'm not denying that. You're not denying that. However, but it's so also, are ethics, right? And so, so are ethics, <laughs> and it's also weaponized uh, to be totally misleading, and that's what hap- what is happening here. This has nothing to do with the security of judges in their right. homes. This has everything to do with their ability to get away with corruption and to make other people shut up when it happens. That's right. Um, so Fix the Court also put out a press release uh, this month. Um, can we pull that the PDF of that up on screen, uh, Colin? It's called Re- Recent Ethical Lapses by Supreme Court Justices. This particular document is just focusing on SCOTUS, not the entire world of the judiciary. So, um, but it's interesting to look at these because I think this people need to know about this, right? So Chief Justice John Roberts failed to recuse in 14972ABB Inc. et al. Uh, Arizona Board of Regents despite owning shares in Texas Instrument Stock, a party on the ABB side. Initially failed to recuse in Merritt's case, uh, despite owning shares in Thermo Fisher Scientific, which owns Life Technologies, did recuse after the error was brought to his attention after the oral arguments. Okay, so he got called out on it and he went away. Look at how large the uh, Justice Clarence Thomas section is. (laughs) Look at all that. Uh, This is the stuff they don't want you to hear about. I'm not going to go through all this. Obviously, we'd be here all day, but, you know, accepted private plane rides and gifts, including a Bible once owned by Frederick Douglass, valued at uh, $19,000 from financier Harlan I Crow. for sure would have sold that Bible. Crow. Are you kidding? If someone gave me a Bible, they're like, this is worth 19 grand. I'm like, cool, I'm selling it today. I, I personally believe, you know, because I'm not a religious person, I'm an atheist, I don't think I should have religious relics like that unless it has meaning to me so i feel like it's almost bad karma for me to have something like a bible uh but it's not bad karma for me to sell it if it's worth nineteen thousand. no nineteen thousand. i will so. do i'll donate some of it don't get me wrong so i'll be like hey i got i got a really nice nineteen thousand dollar gift here for free this is nice but uh but yeah i'm selling that freaking thing so crow also date donated five hundred thousand to help Jeannie thomas establish liberty consulting a platform she used to lobby against laws like Obamacare that went before the court, gave 175000 to a library in Savannah to name a wing after Thomas, and raised millions to build a museum in Thomas's hometown of Pinpoint, Georgia, multiple years. Along with Justices Alita and, Alito and Scalia, was a target and participant in a project dubbed Operation Higher Court, a faith-based interest group's attempt to influence the court by fetting justices with uh, meals and entertainment, 
praying with them in small groups in the court building and via its parent organization, filing amicus briefs in several merits cases. Uh, anyway, you can go down the list. Attended a Coke Industries-backed retreat in Palm Springs, California, at a time in which the Coke, the Coke brothers were uh, bankrolling several litigants with cases before the Supreme Court. So anyway, you guys get get the uh, the idea here. If you want to go through and read that whole list, it's available on uh, fixthecourt.com. So yeah, uh, basically. As far as I'm concerned, this particular situation is much more of an ethics transparency situation. This this absolutely should not be part of the NDAA. But, you know, as we stated earlier, stuff that can't seem to make it through on its own gets attached to these, you know, must approve bills and get gets forced through. Unless, of course, it's the $15 minimum wage. <sighs> yeah. Right. Here I thought Liberty Consulting was just the name of the worst dating app ever. But it turns out it's freaking way worse. It's, way, it's yeah. way worse. That's a all those things you just described sounds like 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 the worst events ever. That what could they attended a thing with the Koch brothers in Palm Springs? I'm like that sounds like freaking torture. There is <laughs> there is no catering that can make me want to go to that thing. No catering around that could make me be like, yeah, I'll suck it up. Right. That sounds <clears throat> horrible. All right, so another thing that has been attached, um, pull up, please, the Moulton Statement on Removal of Special Immigrant Visa Provisions from NDAA. So previously, they were giving special immigrant visa status to Afghans that were coming to the country for a million reasons. That's now been removed. Um, so this is the Seth Moulton's statement on this. Uh, Washington, D.C., Congress Seth, Congressman Seth Moulton, Democrat from Massachusetts, Miss Massachusetts issued the following statement in response to many provisions related to the special immigrant visa program being stripped from the National Defense Authorization Act. Special immigrant visas are available to individuals who have worked as translators, interpreters, or other professionals employed by or on behalf of the United States government in Afghanistan or Iraq. The Senate negotiated NDAA fails our Afghan allies on many levels. By removing a provision to extend the special immigrant visa program, as well as my bipartisan provision that would offer better protection to our wounded Afghan allies, we are sending the message that we actually don't keep our promises. Other important provisions have also been removed that serve to further undermine the program. For decades to come, our young troops will be asked, why should we trust you when they ask our allies for help, etc. So two things here. Um, first thing is that I think a lot of what's motivating this uh, is just anti-immigration. Um, a lot yeah. of the pushback against this visa program had had come from people that are, you know, kind of touting white nationalist principles in a soft shoe way, right? So this is about not letting brown-skinned immigrants into the country. Um, and secondly, whether you feel good about the war or not, whether you're anti-war or not, I think the fact of the matter is is that these individuals did, um, you know, help the United States a lot when they chose to do what they do. And if they stay in the situation there in Afghanistan, it's a very dangerous one for them. So this idea that we promised them that they could come to this country if they, you know, did the things that they did, I think that is a promise that should be kept. Yeah, I mean, and and but we're we're always, I mean, we always screw over immigrants as hard as we freaking possibly can, and True. it's because we have this. Um, we have this gross nationalistic attitude that we're some beacon on the hill, uh, which we're not, by the way. Most of the people who come here, they do so out of desperation. The people who come here, they do so because they're climate refugees, largely because of policies that we implement. Currently, or they I come say, here, yeah, a lot of it is, yeah. Or, or they're victims <laughs> of our foreign policy elsewhere. And we pretty much have a net zero immigration between us and Mexico right now. There's actually a lot of people going the other way. That's why the, the wall wasn't to keep Mexico out, folks. It was to keep us in. Let's be honest. It was to freaking keep us in because people are going down there now uh, for medical tourism, dental tourism and yeah. to live and That's to live. Yeah. Follow some people on Twitter who when shit started That's getting really bad here. They went across the border to the south. Ask them how their lives are going now. They're a lot freaking happier. And they got to they got to see a specialist for a reasonable price. They got to go to the dentist for free. Yeah. So um, not all of it was bad. Not all of it was bad. Uh, we talked about the dirty deal from Mansion earlier this week, and that was actually a win. It was removed. So let's yes. pull up. Yeah, let's pull up the Progressive yeah. Caucus's statement on this. Their tweet. 
Following a vote of membership with more than two-thirds of members in favor, the CPC adopted the following formal position tonight. The Congressional Progressive Caucus opposes the inclusion of Senator Manchin's permitting reform proposal, the FY23 NDAA. So, so that is a win, I think. That is a good That's win. That's a huge win. That's a huge, a huge win. win. And since we're on wins, uh, if, if I could, I'd like to mention the other win. This was the other big win. The JCPA is out right. of the bill. Now, now the biggest fan of the JCPA is, is Chuck Schumer. So so hopefully that there's no shenanigans like up any sleeves. Yeah. He's a big tech guy. I mean, it's just like, even though some people in big tech actually oppose this, that's how bad yeah. it is. Didn't Klobuchar but, flip sides on that one? Was she one of the original sponsors? Am I wrong? On yes, that? she was. I don't know if she later okay. detracted from it or not. I mean, okay. this is one. It's so bad that there are some yeah. like normal people who would be for this where even they kind of came out and were like, no, this no, is this is far. not good. And yeah. and some of it was even people in Silicon Valley who normally, you know, there's money to be made for them in the JCPA, but because it would also could potentially really compromise the way their platforms would be able to be used by people. Even some of them were like, we can't support this thing. Colin, do we have, um, do you still have that headline from the Hill handy? Just to, just to give people a quick little headline, but, but basically the journalism competition and, uh, and preservation act did not make it into the NDAA, which is a big win. We talked about that bill. That bill would have potentially- We talked about it on Monday. Yeah, there it is. We talked about it on Monday. News competition measure left out of defense spending bill after tech pushback. So one of the things this bill would have potentially done, it would have had a user tax, a user tax excuse me, where right. you would have had to have paid money to post yeah. a news article online. Now let's think how that would have unrolled, folks. The big corporate outlets, they wouldn't have wanted something yeah. that would have hurt their clicks and their eyeballs. Right. So they probably would have reached some kind of settlement where everyone made money. And or, then they outlets, or they just astroturf it. Or they astroturf it. Or they astroturf it. They have the deep pockets to hire firms to like pay for the clicks to spread yeah. the news articles. So, yeah. So either way, bad independent idea. outlets would be screwed. Yeah. That, that, so, so like independent outlets would be screwed because they'd be left out of all those deals. And that was what was wrong with the JCPA in the first place. It was supposed to be about financial transparency for journalism. Really, it invited all the corporate juggernauts to the table to uh, avert antitrust legislation because it right. gave them all exemptions on that. And it allowed them to make deals with social media. So it, it did the opposite of right. what it, and, said it and was it would have left. It wouldn't have done anything to increase journalist pay either, which has really been no. suffering for a long time. So, yeah, it's a bad bill. So that's a victory. And folks, Two victories now. Deal. That's good. Now we got to take it a step further and demand that the good antitrust legislation get the vote that it's been promised. And people are pushing for that now. So go to bidenpromise.us. We fought off the JCPA. Well, now it's time to deliver on the real antitrust legislation that would make the internet, uh, that would help the internet, quite frankly. So go yeah. to bidenpromise.us, demand the vote on the antitrust legislation that will help rein in big tech's monopolistic abuses, that would help rein in Amazon, Facebook, slash meta you name it so uh we went we got a small victory watch well, this a big victories. victory yeah, yeah too big they're actually, too big say victories they're big. yeah it's so just they're small when you compare it to all the losses we all experience 100 percent. But, but we gotta take it we gotta take the wins where we can we um, really do so i want to pull up a video that senator Rand paul put out today because another thing that's part of the ndaa some people are going to say this is a victory. Others are going to be like, this is bad news. And that has to do with uh, mandating COVID vaccines. Let's play that video. I don't think I have that. Give me one sec. Okay. Do you, it's uh, emailed it to you if you can find it. So basically. You mean Senate I'm not going to get to hear Rand Paul? <laughs> this breaks my heart. He's the greatest. I really want to hear what Rand Paul has to say about everything. He's well, a of genius. course, he's making this about he's medical autonomy and, re and religious freedom, right? I have no idea how not having a COVID vaccine is religious freedom. Well, it's for the military, right? Correct. For the military. So, so the argument is that all of these uh, soldiers that refused to get vaccinated lost their jobs, but now they get their jobs back. You know, but the bigger picture here is that it's a public health uh, situation, and it's not unusual for the military to require vaccinations. They've done it for tetanus. They do it for malaria especially when you're going overseas to areas where you are likely to be exposed to these viruses. Oh, you found it. Okay, let's play it. 
This is a good day for our young men and women in the military. It's a big deal that we chose to stand up and fight for them. And because of our fight that began last week with saying we wouldn't get on the bill unless something happened for our men and women in the military, it's going to happen. So this is a big day. They're going to get their jobs back. Many of these people, it's their dream. These are the young men and women who are willing to put their life on the line. And now we've come forward to say they deserve to be treated with respect. The story that I will tell you is of Alex Buckman. Uh, his wife, Olivia, worked for me as an intern. He's a young man. Uh, he graduated from Hillsdale College. In okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, so if you join the military, you're required to get like a buttload of vaccines. So if you're like, if that's the straw that breaks the camel's back for you, like, why? Like, uh, you have to been, get a I'll ton of vaccines. Well, because it's been politicized. It's been politicized. That's what this is. That's the difference here. And that's really the only difference, in my opinion. Well, and the other thing, too, is like, well, what is there? Like, what kind of COVID protocols do they have in the military? Which I don't know the answer to that question. I'm not in the military. But if it's one of those things where it's like, okay, we're testing everybody, you know, a couple times a week, which I think they should be doing regardless of everyone's vaccination status. I think everyone should be tested because these vaccines, you know, don't don't fully prevent transmission. So right. I think everyone should be tested. I think that should be a policy all over the place. So like if they're doing that, like, all right, well, fine. But a lot of times when you see stuff like this, it's not because okay, they're they're requiring masks indoors and they have such a sense of testing that they're like, you know, the vaccine's up to you. It's more like we're letting it rip. And that and, and those are two like dangerous. two different things. And letting it rip is clearly dangerous. I mean, look at what it's doing, you know, and, and so it'd be one thing if they just, you know, focus more on other protocols that it's like, all right, whatever. But it's another thing if it's just let it rip. And I'm not sure because I'm not in the military. Again, I don't know what protocols exist, but, you know, my concern would be this is just more of the letter rip attitude of the United States. It's, it's politicized. It's, you know, great Barrington money, probably kind of stuff. So I think that's the reason why, because, yes, they they're, the vaccination schedule for military is 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 hefty and for good reasons. I mean, if you're going to a country where there's very little protection against viruses and viruses are more common, it's important that you're protected, right? And, and the, you can't have herd immunity unless a certain threshold of people are vaccinated. And obviously there are some people that can't get vaccinated. So, you know, it's a whole deeper discussion, but this is also part of the NDAA where this has been revoked. Kevin McCarthy, Rand Paul, these folks are saying it's a celebration, it's a victory. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is opposed to it for obvious reasons. So, but it made it in, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, yeah. uh, it's nice there's a few victories here. I mean, I, I did breathe a sigh of relief for the JCPA. I breathed the big sigh of relief that, that Mansions, you know, because right. Mansions thing would have fast-tracked a lot of fossil fuel projects yes. that deliberately, that blatantly thumps its nose in a, right. a promise that Biden made. Now, Biden doesn't care about his promises, especially when it comes to fossil fuels. Nope, but hardly nonetheless, any politician does, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So uh, how about we take uh, a few super chats before we move let's, on to the yes. next story? Is that, that cool? That sounds good. So yeah. uh, Double K, what's up? Thank you so much for your very generous contribution. Hope you are well and awesome. Tony DeBayo, thanks for the John hey, shout out, Ron. You both rock. Yeah, this is the the day to celebrate the life of John Lennon. John Lennon. He uh, he made some great music, uh, made some mistakes in his life too, but uh, made some really really great music. Um, and uh, thank you for that, Tony DeMeo. We're gonna try to get to the super chats throughout the show, so if we get to all yes. of them at the end, we might not remember like what people are referencing. So we're gonna try to uh, get to it throughout. So leave your super chat, folks. Uh, humorous, what's up? You are so, so generous. Thank you so, so much. Um, wow. And you are covering my so goofy face with your with your comment. Which I, No, no, no. Keep my face covered, Colin. I like, I have a face for radio. And I like, you can just see my eyes going, mm, what a juicy comment. I love it. I guess no one uh, ever noticed that no one asked the question, how are we no. going to fund $25 billion yeah. every three months for Ukraine? But when someone asks in this country for universal health care, well, how the hell are we going to pay for that? You ever question yep. that? 
Propaganda is a hell of a drug. Propaganda is a hell of a drug. We're, we're supposed no, to know, just take this stuff. Also, can I point something out here about that? This is also what's driving the increase in neo-fascism in the country is, is stuff like what you're talking about here, right? So, all right, let's talk about the New York Times strike. Yeah, let's go to the strike. Let's go to the this strike. Is, don't play Wordle today, people. I, I never learned how to play, so I'm I'm standing in solidarity. That's what I hear. <laughs> people love it. I don't even know. I don't know how. I, I see those little boxes with the kind. Everyone posts them, and they're like, look at me. And I'm like, what did you do? I have no. Did you win? <laughs> this just looks like different colored boxes as a, as a well, profile. Well, they're all clues thing. as you work your way down to figure out the word. And you know what's good about Wordle is you can't keep playing it over and over again. It's once a day. Otherwise, you'd be like, yeah. totally addicted. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I so mean, you get, I'm sure you get your it's one cool. portal in and you, yeah, it's fun. All right. So the New York Times Guild members don't have it. If, if the New York Times Guild members don't have a deal soon, we're asking readers to not engage in any New York Times platforms tomorrow and stand with us on the digital picket line. Read local news, listen to public radio, pull out a cookbook, break your wordle streak. I mean, I've been standing in solidarity for a while, just like intentionally. If they're just like, avoid the New York Times, I'll be like, done and done. I, uh, there's plenty. I can find out what's going on in the war propaganda world elsewhere. That's not too hard. Uh, don't play Wordle. I already don't play it. Read local news. Like, I, I, I already do that. Cookbook, I'm not with you there. I, whenever I flex my culinary muscle, I just kind of use my imagination. And if something sucks, I don't make it again. Um, <laughs> that's how I roll. I don't right. like recipes. I mean, I do, well, but you know what I mean. Let's pull up the open letter to the New York Times readers. Um, to our faithful readers, the New York Times is known for its reporting across the globe on issues big and small, local and international. Every day we strive to ask the right questions and follow the answers wherever they take us. We are deeply committed to the success of the paper and take seriously our civic responsibility to report the news each day. Today, for the first time in decades, we're fulfilling that mission in a different way. For the past 20 months, we have asked New York Times management over and over to bargain in good faith for a new union contract and to provide employees our fair share of the revenue the company has earned from all of our hard and diligent work. Their responses have led us to walk out for 24 hours. This is not a decision we take lightly. We know you count on us for vital news and information. Our fight to ensure a living wage for the most vulnerable of us and fair pay for everyone, for evaluations free of racial bias and to protect our health care is really about the future of journalism at the New York Times. Without these protections and benefits, our journalism suffers and our newsrooms will fall behind those of our competitors. Notably, the company can certainly afford to invest in its employees despite management's fear mongering. The company is on track for an annual operating profit of at least $320 million and has approved $150 million in stock buybacks to investors. Yeah, so and, and they is, were asked, the other is, important thing to note there is that, yeah, they just mentioned all those profits to shareholders. Simultaneously, they were asked to basically take a pay cut. Like, right. like their newest contract was, was essentially a pay cut. Right. Like when you so, factor in cost of living increases and stuff like that. So, so. this is what we're seeing at, at across the board in every industry. The companies are making record profits. And instead of investing the money that they're making back into their employees who are producing the work, they are choosing to engage in buyback programs of their stock, which further increases the value of the stock. So this is just pure corporate greed, and it's happening across the board in, in every industry. Um, so I, I think it's important to see actually one of the largest papers, uh, the workers, they're taking the stand because it's not something we've seen in the past. And the pay cuts in journalism have been atrocious over the you know few years. There's been a lot of mega mergers, so there's very few um, options as far as getting a job because it's the same media conglomerates that you know, own everything. And billionaires have been buying up papers, whether it's Jeff Bezos buying, you know, Washington Post. We have the LA Times has now been purchased by a billionaire as well. It, you know, the consolidation that's happening in this industry is really um, problematic, not only because it gives you a certain view of the news that that maybe ex maybe might exclude certain voices like from workers, but it's also very bad for journalists that actually do want to do the work and do it properly. You know, sometimes- Oh, hell yeah. Sometimes coming up with an investigative report can take weeks and months. 
And when at the end of the day, you've spent seven months looking into a really important story and you do it because you have a passion for it, right? You get paid 500 bucks for that work. I mean, there's- well, not only that, but let's be honest here, like places like the New York Times. And again, this is not because of the workers. This is way above them. So, you know, like I, I totally stand with these striking workers. But let's be honest, if we're going to talk about the anatomy of the corporate media, there's certain places you just can't go. If you want to really do a big expose of what's going on in Flint, Michigan, oh, they won't, yeah, they're not going to publish. They're not going to touch that. They're not going right. to touch that because oil and gas advertises with right. them. And, and so, you know, but I also think it's important because I do. I, I personally know some individuals that work at some of these conglomerate papers and they have frustrations about what you're talking about right now. There are things they do want to report on authentically and it gets denied by the editor or somebody above the editor. So oh, I believe a, it. I mean, this is the system we have. So if you want to go into journalism in any capacity, I mean, yeah, you can try to do your own things or you can try to navigate the waters and, and just kind of work within, you know, what you're faced with. So I'm sure there's all kinds of people across right. the country that <laughs> want to do good journalism and they're faced with these roadblocks right. and good journalism certain exists, certainly exists in the United States, but it exists despite the media structure we have, not because Currently. of it. Yeah, so, I agree. And I that agree. really sucks. And that's not the fault of journalists. That's the fault of you know, consolidation and the corporatocracy and capitalism. I agree. Um, let's bring up the Boots Riley tweet because I think he's absolutely correct on this. Um, yeah, so, his tweets are dope. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. I have to agree. All right, so New York Times workers are on a one-day strike. This is an outgrowth of the biggest strike wave, wave the U.S. has seen in 80 years. Thousands of strikes in the last two years. Journalists should start writing about this as a strike wave it is and what that signifies about the working class. Yeah, he's absolutely right. I mean, he's it's like, right. that's why here's status quo. I mean, you know, here's status quo and, and on my show, get your news on with Ron and on your show, District 34. And I, I mean, we all cover strikes as much as we possibly can. And let's be honest, y'all, it doesn't always get the clicks and eyeballs that, Oh, it absolutely you know, does not. I, it, it doesn't get, like, the clicks and eyeballs that, that drama does. But it's not going to stop doing it. Yeah, no. It's important. I mean, it's, it, important. it's important because it's like we got to amplify this stuff because only by amplifying it, that will allow more to happen. And that will allow people to coalesce and exchange ideas and, and communicate on how to do this at a bigger level and I mean, I think that's the only chance we really got at the end of the day. It really changed in this place for the better. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and shout out to some of the organizations that won't stop amplifying this stuff here at Status Coup, More Perfect Union, More Perfect Status might be a collab soon. <laughs> keeping our fingers crossed. Um, I think that was one of my faux pas. <laughs> that was you. That was you. That, that was a that has the endorsement of Miss West Hollywood, folks. Just so you know, more perfect status. Ah, okay. Yeah, I, I deserve to be teased over that, quite frankly. Um, all right. Let's talk about Brittany Griner right now, because obviously this is making headlines today. Uh, people are chiming in, at, in on it across the board about what should have been done differently, what did happen, whether it's a good thing. Um, I want to start with Carrie, Carrie Lake, though, who is our ex-governor candidate from Arizona, who is a QAnon right-wing conspiracy gal. She hasn't met a conspiracy she doesn't like, and she also loves Christian fascism. So we've talked about her on right-wing insanity multiple times. So Carrie Lake thinks Brittany should have refused her release from Russian prison to make Biden renegotiate. Like you would. I mean, if you were sitting in prison... You'd be like, wait a second. What did the president get for me being released? I think I might stay here until I'm satisfied. <laughs> Nobody is, is like, it's crazy that you really Who would think do that. What a Colin, weird thing to even say. Yeah. Colin, can we put up this article? Because it is pretty funny. <clears throat> it's the Mediaite article. Kari Lake believes Brittany Griner should have waived her release from a Russian prison so President Joe Biden could negotiate a prisoner swap for someone else besides convicted international arms dealer Victor Bout. <sighs> Who is that? We need to know. Did you find it, Colin? Is Brittany going to respond to this? That's the better question. Probably not. What, what, what are Brittany's thoughts? It'd be funny. She's like, you're right. I should have just stayed in jail. I should have just, right? 
I'm just going to keep reading. I don't know if Colin has it handy. Um, During an appearance on Stephen Crowder's show, Louder with Crowder, Lake first asked Crowder to update her on the latest news in the Griner case. The clip began to circulate Twitter via Jason Campbell. While I'm sorry, I have not followed what's happening, what's happening with her today, Lake said. Brittany Griner released, uh, but she was traded for the merchant of death, Victor Bout, the guy that who did the film Lord of War, where he, you know, sold like 30,000 AKs to guerrilla drug dealers who were killing DEA agents. So we traded him for her. And, you know, this guy was responsible for countless deaths of Americans, Crowder said. Wow, why do I have a feeling if President Donald Trump were in office, it wouldn't have been handled so much better, Lake replied. Okay, really? So then why didn't Trump negotiate her release, like, during his tenure? Are you asking me? No, I'm just saying, why is Lake, <laughs> yeah, why is Lake saying this? I mean, Donald Trump had that opportunity. Right. Am I, yeah. Um, well, he, he's the art of the deal, right? Except he, I mean, <laughs> ask like how did all of his deals go here in the united uh, states mexico is gonna pay for the wall how did that go how did that go buddy your negotiation skills um i mean that's such a freaking ridiculous thing to say I agree. And, it's and, ridiculous. and by the way this is uh i mean i don't know if you saw this this would be something interesting for your right-wing insanity stuff did you see uh when steven crowder he posted that thing about Hitler being bad and a bunch of his own fans like turned on him for it. Oh fuck. Really? No. Did you Sorry. see that? Oh, you got to see that. I haven't looked into it. So I don't, I mean, you know, like, like this is, this is more your beat than, than mine, but, but I saw it online where he basically, he tweeted like, Hey guys, I think we can all agree that Hitler's bad, which no, I'm like, no, well, no, That's I would say problem. yes. Yes. Agree. We could all agree on that. Well, we can and I was just like, yes, Stephen, I agree with you on that one. Hitler is, in fact, bad. Good good job getting there. Way to go. And uh, But a bunch of his fans were, like, yelling at him for it. <laughs> That is that is so 2023. I know it's 2022. I'm just saying that's that's going to be like the normal weekly buckle uh, in cycle. Buckle, buckle in. in. So I'm um, also I want to point out that um, somebody was tweeting about this earlier and I kind of had a chuckle over. It. So does everybody remember who Chris Cantwell is the crying Nazi? No, no? I, I don't. I mean, all right. So he was d connected with Charlottesville and he was the one that had all those videos crying after the fact because he was going to go to jail. Okay. So everybody calls him the crying Nazi now. That's kind of his nickname. But um, <laughs> his BFF while he was in Britain was apparently this Russian hitman. Oh, the guy who they traded or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Really? <laughs> that's interesting. That is... Wow. All right. So, yeah, that's that's what's being said. Can we play um, John Bolton's reaction, too? Because yeah, that, that was kind of funny. John Bolton's reaction was... This is the guy who he hinted he might have to run for president, which, wow. Yeah, let's Talk play about... The Let's play the drum. Let's play that next. That is pretty funny. The drum. Ambassador, uh, let me just first get your reaction to the news. And if you could also perhaps break down for our viewers the types of negotiations that happen in situations like this. Well, uh, obviously, there's there's a lot of uh, very understandable human emotion here in getting uh, uh, Griner released, but uh, this is a very bad mistake by the Biden administration. That uh, th th this is not a deal. This is not a swap. This is a surrender. Mm. And terrorists and rogue states all around the world will take note of this, and it endangers other Americans in the future who can be grabbed and used as bargaining chips uh, by people who don't have the same morals and scruples that we do. Uh, there are occasions when you swap spies. Uh, uh, obviously, there are legitimate exchanges of prisoners of war, uh, but this this doesn't even approximate that. The the idea that somehow what uh, Brittany Griner did very foolishly, in my estimate, but the, that whatever she did compares to Victor Boot uh, is is uh, is something that shows uh, just how desperate the administration was to make this deal. Um, and uh, and and I'm I'm just uh, very worried about the effect it has and the danger that it can put many other Americans in all around the world. Um, of course, you know the reporting is, and I think it's pretty obvious. I, should, I don't think I have to say the reporting is that Brittany Griner was overcharged; that she was charged, sort of akin to a drug trafficker, to at least make it seem on paper like these two 
prisoners were equal. Can you tell me what you know about Victor Boot and why the Russians would want him back so badly? Well, I really can't get into specifics, but I'll just note that Paul Whelan, uh, who was likewise set up by the Russians uh, back in late 2018, so when I was at the White House, uh, is still uh, in custody. And I'll just note the historical fact that the possibility of a boot for whale and trade existed back then, and it wasn't. How can anyone listen to that guy and just, just not? Like, I would get, if I ever had to have him on, I would probably, like, this segment would be ruined with it because I would just be like, you're a nationalistic, like, psychopath. You are you are full of shit. You are dangerous. Because, I mean, the he's stuff that he says. He's not even very smart. Like he's. I mean, I have all these flashbacks from when uh, from when George W. Bush was president. And Bolton has just always been yeah. there, though, through so many administrations. He's never had a good handle on anything he discusses or viewpoints. And just the stuff that keep, guy says. I know. If if other if people in other countries said that, we would use that as an excuse to invade them. But let, that's let, the let, point, like, isn't it, Ron? That's the point. I mean, he's a lunatic. He's a neoconservative. He he comes from that, you know, George W. group of intellectual. I'm going to use my scare quotes. Uh, neoconservatives, you know, and they're very naive in their worldviews. They always have been. Their idea is that American supremacy, American exceptionalism, that our ideals as America, everybody, of course, they want them because they're so exceptional. Isn't that obvious to you? How great we are and how great our ideals are. So the idea that, you know, Iraq would be predicated on this, right? We're just going to roll in there and everybody's going to love us and worship us and say, thank you for bringing us American democracy. This is fantastic. It's naive as hell because that's not how the world works. But that is sort of the school of thought that they put through uh, and continue to put through even now, even though it's been proven wrong time and time again. They, they are holding on to these ideals. So um it's just what a lunatic who, who's like maybe it's like this person was released for prison, uh, right. which, you know, she didn't really do anything. I mean, she just had some pot, right? Like, wasn't exactly. that all it was? Just, like, yeah, like, it was nothing. It, it, it was like nothing. So it's like, OK, great. She's home. Cool. And he's somehow finding it, like like a problem we're enabling, with it. Yeah, because we're enabling Now we're everyone's going to capture an American. <laughs> like, What a lunatic. To get their terrorists removed from office. I mean, it's just, it's absolute lunacy. Meanwhile, you do have other prisoner swaps going on that nobody knows about. The only reason we're getting any media attention on this particular one is because she's a sports star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's be I mean, honest. Yeah. You think, the, you think the CIA and other organizations don't also engage in prisoner swaps with other countries? Of course they do. I don't think the CIA is doing anything we don't know about. Today, I've got a special one for you, Ron, that I know you're going to have a good time with. It's called the QAnon Queen Tried to Go Global, and it didn't go well. Okay. All right. So there is a woman that's up. Um, Colin, can you pull this up? Uh, there's a woman up in Canada. She refers herself as the queen, the QAnon queen, and and she's the queen of Canada, right? That's she has an empire, she rules, um, and now she was working on naming other sovereigns that would be also you know, having their uh, um, monarchies. And now they're splitting off and threatening regicide. And no, this is not a joke. This is actually happening. <laughs> All right. So wearing a Florida Gators t-shirt, an Arizona man in his mid-40s attempts to convince the hundreds of thousands of conspiracy theorists watching his laptop live stream that he's the real leader of the United States. King David Carlson explains that he is still a, <clears throat> has a few million people to take out before he's finally done with his plan, installing QAnon kings and queens across the world because they want monarchy back. Wow. OK, I, I would think they'd be against monarchy. I would think oh, no, that they no. they There's... would th that would be treading on them. Right. But like, this, wouldn't it be? Yeah. Well, yes, but but but, but, that... but this Dave guy, he gets it. Dave's their guy. <laughs> And then the then the woman in Canada who's the so there's, queen. there's there's sort of a through line, and it's not just with QAnon; it's with a lot of the those on the far right in these neo fascist groups. Um, they've now come to terms with the fact that they can't get what they want through democracy. So now they're like, yeah, who needs democracy? We don't need that. Let's just get our guy in place, and then he can ins install all of the laws and things that we want. And then that. What would be what are some of the laws that they want? 
Christian like what fascists, are Christian fascism? Theocracy. They yeah. they don't see enough of that in the United States government as is. Oh no, they, they don't, no, no, there's not, not enough. even close, Ron. Not even close. Are you kidding me? They see wow. us as we're run by a cabal of satanic pedophiles. Okay. Quite literally, that's what they believe. So no. So like like here. DeSantis is like too far left for them. <laughs> like like they're like he's not is like, well we're Christian fascists like all right you have plenty of people who might be president like I you're mean, you're not whole, satisfied. There's a whole 4chan group and this isn't QAnon necessarily but there's a whole 4chan group that's dedicated to bringing back the monarchy. That's I mean but as long as it's their people right not just any monarchy. We need no, like yeah. the queen the queen like dildo doe or whatever what's her name like <laughs> We need her up her in Canada, and then we need Dave. Dave, the Gators fan, that's the freaking guy. Uh, he just Ramona has to. Ramona Didolo, yeah, so it sounds like, yeah, okay. Ramona Didolo, actually, I think that is uh, Italian for dildo, actually. I think that's so, so I don't know what her family used to do back in the day, but uh, but I'm pretty sure that her name is Italian for dildo. Um, actually, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I made that up, but, um, but, um, all right. So, so Dave is the Dave. king and Dave just needs right. to, I mean, he just has he a few to, million he people. He needs to off a few more heads, off with their heads. Dave okay. is, is not done with the guillotine as of yet. Okay. Okay. So once, so, once Dave, I mean, and, and Dave's going to get to that as soon as bowl season is over, right? Like that's <laughs> Dave's plan. Right. Okay. Once, so. once his sports bets are done, Dave has a plan and he's going to, he's going to be armed with, um, fueled only by Tostitos and, uh, the finest queso dip, although he calls it cheese dip. <laughs> you better speak American or get the fuck out. And, uh, he's going to be there. And uh, and he's gonna he's gonna install himself as king. Which, as which king. king? Well, no, he's already done that. He's already installed. Oh, himself he's as done king. that. Okay. That's All right. already happened, bro. We're, we're come on now. All right. So, so he's king. He he just no one not States. enough people know about it yet. That's right correct. now, it's only he, the people on his to, live stream. Yeah. In fact, I'm gonna talk in a second when we get back to the one in Canada. She they actually took a group to the police station because they were gonna get rid of the police and install their own army. Like these, I mean. Follow me along here. It's QAnon. It doesn't have to make sense. All right. So Dave says, we've managed to infiltrate large portions of the world's population and cut the heads of the snake in many places around the world, said Carlson, hinting at the murder or incarceration of his enemies. We've got a long way to go yet. There are a few million minions we're having to deal with, but we're catching up. To understand the man claiming to be king of America, you must first understand the woman claiming to be the queen of Canada. Romana Didolo uh, is a QAnon influencer who con who's conceived a sizable number of people that she's the ruler of Canada, a leader in the existential fight against an international cabal of globalist pedophiles who control the world and, wait for it, added on, an extraterrestrial being with healing powers. Some experts even describe the group as a cult. Well, yeah, yo, it's a cult. Of course it's a cult. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Some would say this is a cult. Oh, you think? Man, those some are geniuses. You can't put anything past them. No. This is a cult. Right. Oh, by the so, way, in case anyone was curious, I was. I looked it up. Uh, the Italian word for dildo is actually just dildo. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same. So her last name actually doesn't mean dildo. I was curious because I, I said that jokingly. But then I'm like, what if that really is Italian for dildo? But no, it's just, it's the same. It's Dildos the same. are universal, folks. Dildo, any language... You know, if you're not sure how to say please or thank you, just say dildo because that's universal. They'll know exactly what you're looking for. They will so. know exactly what you're looking for. Okay, so there's a second article I want to bring up just because I want to get into some of the weird queen stuff. It's uh, inside the QAnon's Queen's cult. The abuse was nonstop. So there's some folks coming out, you know, that have gotten out of the cult, so to speak, and they're talking about it. Um, as the woman he believed to be the true queen of Canada sat in a nearby RV, a man dressed in a camo shirt and hat delivered a rousing speech to the 40 people who'd come together in Peterborough, Ontario Park, ready to arrest the city's entire police department. Today, we are going to turn the members of the Peterborough Police Station over to the U.S. Special Forces Military, the Canadian Military, and the Global Military Alliance, who will be here to pick them up once we detain them, he said to the crowd. So this is so much funnier 
because it's happening in Canada I, where everybody is so polite. So I just picture this guy be like, oh, we're going to go. I mean, the, the police, they got to go. Hey, I saw us on a message board. So we're going to tell them they can't be here anymore. And then I just picture them marching to the station like, hey, you got to go. You can't be the police anymore. Like, oh, why, why is that? My, my boss didn't say anything. Because my QAnon army is going to come in and arrest you. I mean, it's just... <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to arrest you. Like, well, I, I don't think that's going to happen. We got to go. Okay, yeah, bye. Think, and how they... well do you think this went for the QAnon folks? I'm guessing hysterically hysterical. But what happened? You... Well, they they got arrested. <laughs> they got... Okay, so it backfired. Of course. They, they, they had a nice conversation. And then the cop was like, oh, you know, I read here that if you try to do something like this, I have to arrest you. So sorry... You're going to have to go to jail now, eh? Okay, so so the guy ends up going back and forth from door to door. He walks up to the back door. Uh, it happens to be a shift change for the police, right? So one shift's coming out, another's coming in. He goes up to one of them and he goes, you guys are involved in COVID crime, so I'm placing you under arrest. <laughs> and that didn't go so what well. So what was his speech in jail like? What was it like? Know. They're all just in a cell now. And he's like, ah, shit, this was not what I had planned. Um, well, so it's all trust the process. Trust the process. We will wait further instruction from Queen Dildo. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Okay, so in this article, Colin, can you pull up this photo? Because they were, I, want, I want everybody to see this photo, right? So they were traveling around Canada in this like RV group. So it was like a bunch of guys in RVs. They were sleeping in their RVs and they were traveling around with the queen following her. Um, but I want to show you guys, hopefully Colin can find this. It's in that second article I sent you, the QAnon Rome uh, convoy one. Oh, maybe he can't find it. Is it the Vice one? Yeah, it's Vice. Okay, okay. Just because it's really funny. I just want people to see, get the visual of this. Because, it. I mean, on the on the RV, it says, meet and greet Her Majesty. <laughs> Queen Ramona, Commander-in-Chief of the Kingdom of Canada. Like, this is really what it says. And there's photos of her. It'd be funny if, like, a bunch of unassuming tourists didn't know what that was and just, like, showed up and be like, oh, this looks neat. And they, and they just... There it is, yeah. Okay. Is that her? That's not. No, what, that's one of yeah, her that's... followers. But that's oh, one that's... of the RVs. Is that Dave? Is that King Dave? No, I don't think it is King Dave because King Dave is the king of the United States. Let's get this. This is oh. Queen of Canada. Oh, Never gotcha. The two. She'll, they're gonna regicide each other out of existence at this point, I guess. I don't know. I mean, well, what if they a... unite? Then it's they... a. Is there a Duke of Mexico? Or I, I, they're pro... Mexico's probably not invited to this. I, I'd I mean. What... We just had a prince try to stage a coup in Germany, so I don't know what's happening. So, the, so they're they're trying Germany. All right, fair enough. Well, well, that's. Uh, I wonder how their meet and greet did with that guy. The guy standing there. He hasn't. He hasn't been given a title yet. He's awaiting. No, he's just. He's awaiting his land and title right now. Looks, with his medals on, it looks like he might be the uh, general. I'm going with the general. Oh, okay. The general just has like like a like what a four chan account, and that's all. But 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 if you eventually you get land and a title, and then and then you take it from there. I, I mean, this is. It's wild. Hey, they have an entire stuff. thing. Uh, all right, anyway. we should let's hit a few more super yeah, chats. Yeah, let's hit a few and more. And before we get there, I uh, I got some tour dates coming up, folks. I'll let you know about that now. January twenty eighth, I'll be in Tucson, Arizona. Use the promo code Lucy at checkout for that show. You get a discount on tickets. It's a holiday special. That's a stand up show and the premiere screening of my short film Loner. I'm really excited about that. February 10th, Los Angeles, California at the Glendale Room. February 18th, San Diego. April 14th, back in Los Angeles at the Glendale Room. I'm doing three shows there, and the third show is on May 12th. All those shows are at the Glendale Room in Los Angeles, uh, except, of course, for Tucson and San Diego. Tickets and all information can be found at romplacone.com. 